on this episode of AV Week, AV enhancing the working environment, getting people back to work. Avixa rolls out a new report on chip shortages as well as inflation and when to subcontract and when to not. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 570, recorded Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Automate AV. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have got this week, first and foremost, fantastic young lady from Kierkegaard. She does really cool things in arts, uh, and she lives in Canada. Welcome, Bren Walker. Thank you very much, Tim. I'm happy to be here once again. Awesome. Uh, also with us is Erica Carroll. Erica is from Mersive, uh, and uh, just like Bren, she travels around the, the world, uh, but she is home this week. So welcome, ma'am. Thank you, Tim. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And last but not least, Mr. Chaz Porter. Uh, our uh, good friend and uh, favorite Patriots fan uh, from the great Northeast. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, first story comes to us uh, from our friends over at Avixa. They came out with uh, one of their uh, reports, and the thing that that's, that struck me, um, and we'll we'll start with Brent here, uh, you for a second, um, is the 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 report about. Um, the chip shortages. And one of the things that, that they kind of lay out here is um, the chip shortages is not going to be as bad or, or, or as long, I guess, as previously reported. One thing about Bren, Bren design systems. Her customers are, you know, the customers for, for integrators. Um, they, they play in the same field. They, they have the same, the same conversations. So as you're bringing some of these designs to life and integrators and dealers are bidding on your projects what are you hearing are you hearing that the that the there's a light at the end of the tunnel or is it is it not as rosy as, as maybe i'm reading this report to be rosy i i'm definitely not hearing a light at that the was end. cautious <laughs> definitely not hearing a light at the end of the tunnel because i think it's more than just about chips you know the chips became sort of a symbol for something but indicative of a larger global problem, which is just-in-time delivery. And, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that most of the world has been relying on just-in-time delivery for components, for final product, and it caught up to us. And I think the ripple effect for that is going to be years, not months. Um, for, for what we do in terms of being design consultants, it just means that we're spending more time on projects than we were before because we're having to substitute products. And if you've designed a system before, you know that you can have one, one, one device be not available in your system. And it's not like you can always just swap device for device. Uh, taking out that one device can mean a redesign of an entire system or at least parts of it. So we're able to continue to do what we do because our clients have are relying on us to tell them what is the best way for us to get to opening on October 10th. 
you know, and what are we going to be like if we try to open on October 10th? But the issues to me are, are these are systemic issues that are deep beyond our industry and that we have to face as global economies. You know, I think countries are going to have to keep talking about what we're facing and it's going to go beyond AV. And, and really, we haven't seen the impact of inflation yet. You know, we're, we're starting to see it in consumer goods, right? Consumer goods, it's now firmly landed that the high oil prices from earlier in this year resulting in higher gas prices. Higher gas prices means everything's going to cost more. Um, so I, I actually feel like the pricing I've seen in AV has lagged behind what we've seen in terms of inflationary pressure elsewhere. So I think we all just have to get used to the fact that this is the way it's going to be for a while. Um, and if your shop is, uh, if you're an integrator and your shop is all around a particular manufacturer, be careful. That that could be the thing that puts you out of business. So well, not to end um, on a down note, Tim. No, here's the thing. This entire conversation, this entire topic is a down note. Okay. I don't want to, I don't mean to start the, the, the show off with, you know, with, with, with a downer, but kids, it, it's bad. <laughs> One of the reports I read here recently was that the uh, live events industry, not the fact that they're canceling live events, but that concert goers are starting to reduce ticket sales because of, uh, because of, um, you know, gas prices and, and other things that are taking up disposable income. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not great. Um, Erica, from a manufacturing standpoint, I'm not going to ask you about chip shortages or when I can get the latest um, <laughs> product. However, you know, yeah, where, where, where are they? Yeah. Um, what are you hearing as far as both the inflation side? Because Bren's White, right, the other part of this report deals with inflation, mm -hmm. um, both from inflation as well as, you know, product delivery. Let's just call it that, right? Yeah, so for us, product delivery isn't really an issue because we were part of this plan ahead group of folks um, where we were able to acquire enough stock that has gotten us through all of this and for the foreseeable future, thankfully. We also have an adaptable product that can you know, function on different kinds of silicone depending on how we want it to perform. Um, but our biggest thing... on the way that it's affected us is through inflation. And it's not just on the chipset or it's um, on the product specifically. Because we're more of a software company, it's actually more based on our engineering costs. So while we are going to be passing on a little bit of that extra cost onto the customer, it's because we're in this crazy job market. People are switching jobs like crazy, trying to keep up with inflation. And we have to pay them whatever the going market rate is for those engineering costs. All right, Chaz, you'll have the last, maybe the last word. We'll see, we'll see how long we can continue this, this, this good news. Uh, <laughs> well, what, I, what are you hearing? I would concur with Erica. I, I, on the materials delivery side, we're not having an issue. And it's part of it is just plain luck. We started an initiative four and a half years ago where we wanted to be committed to our customers that we could provide product faster than our competition could provide a quote. So we ship most of our products between 95 and 100% of our products are shipped within two days. And that's because of decisions we made about inventory. Um, raw materials, we saw this coming two years ago and we've been stocking up. So it hasn't been an issue 
for us. But I would agree with Erica 100%. One of the biggest concerns we have as a U.S. manufacturer is our, our employees have to provide for their families. And labor costs are going to go up because what they're paying to feed their, their kids is going up. And, and we want to make sure that we provide for the people that provide for us. So we see you know, employment costs steeply rising in the next year for sure. Yeah, and I would agree with both, that labor is the long-term real issue, and that that is a much more challenging issue to solve. So, and, and I see it everywhere, everywhere, with, you know, with integrators, with our, with our clients, you know, even for us. I mean, we've had positions open for, you know, two years that we're still, we're, we're constantly trying to find designers, so... I think the labor market problem is that that's the longer term problem that we're all going to have to continue to deal with. And this this is one of those things where and I'm, I'm going to ask um, all three of you. And, and if none of you want to answer, that's fine. I, I don't blame you. The, the one thing that Bren just hit on there. Once the product delivery does land. Then this job market situation is going to get worse. And what I mean by that is. If, if every integrator in the country, if every job in the, in the world got all the product that they were waiting on right now, we, will, we would not have the labor to finish the jobs. And that is another issue. So the question is, how do we fix that before the product finally gets to our doorstep? Uh, before the product gets to the doorstep? I don't think you do. Okay. Honestly, I don't know that you can fix it before the product gets to the doorstep. And, and it, you know, there's going to be some separating of the wheat in the ch from the chaff in terms of integrators and yeah. how they are managing their businesses and managing their projects. And you can see, actively see, who is doing it well and who isn't. And you can see who is trying to bring in new people and bring new people up and who isn't. And whose who's, you know, whole way of operating falls apart if they lose one person. You know, we're seeing that too. So I don't know that it gets solved before the product arrives. In a lot of cases, it might be similar to what often happens, which is whoever, whatever client has the most money or makes the loudest noise is getting their, their project done. Sad to say. I think this is also a, an opportunity where... Um, I recently learned that Avixa has an integrated services council. It's basically a council of integrators that help to make sure they get the job done by allocating resources amongst each other. And it's probably another opportunity for, you know, somebody to step in and build that sort of coalition amongst integrators. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to take some really, really creative folks uh, to get ahead of this. Uh, and, and Brent, the reason I said before the product gets here, because we do have a minute, right? The, the, the good side about this, these delivery issues, chip shortages, you know, is the fact that we don't have everything. So there, there, there is a minute here. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's going to come to roost here uh, before, before we're ready for it, I think. Um, so let's do some good news, <laughs> I guess, for the rest of the show. Uh, the next story comes to us from our friends over at Commercial Integrator. Um, JetBuilt, a uh, really cool software company out of Newport Beach. They've partnered with Vectorworks, 
uh, to bring in uh, BIM drawings and CAD drawings. What uh, you can do is you can use a jet build project and you can seamlessly export it to Vectorworks that will create the CAD uh, for integrators who don't have that or BIM models for those that don't have that, 3D renderings and stuff like that. Uh, um, Eric, I want to start with you on this. When it comes to subcontracting out and, and subbing out design, subbing out uh, control programming, subbing out DSP, where does it make sense and where does it not? Like, where, where do you, when you talk to integrators and you talk to dealers, where do you, where do they want to make sure that they hold on to the intellectual property, the intellectual stuff? And when, where, where can they, you know, sub this out to other folks who, who have, I guess, more, you know, better expertise or more expertise? Sure. So I, from a manufacturing standpoint, I want to see it more as empowering that integrator to hold on to more that they can. Um, the less support that we have to do as a manufacturer, manufacturer, if we're a, excuse me, if we're able to train them up to make sure that they can support, you know, all of their products, that they can do all of their designs correctly, that they make sure that everything interfaces properly, um, the less that we can do, sometimes is the better because you know then that's less support tickets for us. That's empowering them as an integrator. It's you know making they can charge more for extra services. So I would like to see that actually be taken on more on the integration side and let them be empowered by it. Chaz, same kind of question as, you, as you're talking with dealers. Where, where should they outsource? I would absolutely agree with Erica in that they want to maintain as much control as they can possibly do. I think, unfortunately, we spoke about the labor market before. I think that demands them outsourcing more and more. But I think from a preference point of view, they would want to maintain as much control as possible. Well, Brent, uh, Chaz kind of stole uh, stole my question to you. This does bring up that other question, right? Uh, where it comes to, you know, where do we sub and where do we not? And, and when can we afford to? Yeah, I think that um, with a product like this, because a lot of products promise to do things similar, right? So the first thing yeah. is, how well does it actually do what it does? And does it, do these exports work cleanly? Or are you spending more time, you know, cleaning things up? So that's the first thing is that you got to take the product out for a really, really hard ride and see how that horse performs. Um, then I think the integrators would be wise to look at their overall um, way of working and whether where can they automate in general and be finding the low-hanging fruit for where they can automate and see this as another tool in that automation in the process of moving towards automation and trying to take a handle of automation before automation eliminates you. Um, for, from our point of view, we don't sub out design ever. I mean, I think that there is, there is a way to autom automate some of the documentation, particularly if you're dealing with you know, global campuses that have certain standards and you're meeting those certain standards in, you know, multiple hundreds of buildings or hundreds of systems that are going up, then you can find a way to make, to leverage a tool like this. Um, a lot of what we do is highly bespoke, so um, we just don't have that advantage. But that's what I would say is see it as another tool in the automation kit 
and figure out how you can figure out how you can use it that way to do what Erica is saying, which is to maintain the mind share that matters the most and that has the most value to the client. And, you know, what I've been trumpeting on for a while now, Tim, is that design to me is where the value is with AV now. That is where yeah. the value lies and how to understand, take to take products that are either off the shelf or that give you lots of options and then turn that into something that simplifies execution for your client. So you bring up an, a, a really good point. Where can we automate in the world of AV? Because, you know, um, whether that is programmers looking at configuration tools going, well, you're, you're, you're putting me out of a job, right? Or you have uh, software that you can put a microphone in the middle of a room push a button and then in 30 seconds the DSP is programmed which again puts somebody else out of a job but getting ahead of that where 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 else can we automate in the world of AV Well I again I think design documentation is one place where you can automate um, obviously um, monitoring can be automated and is already and I think people mm. I think there's more that we can do with the data that we get off of systems that sort of sits Sometimes I think about the data that is generated by the use of a AV device, similar to video recordings from a video meeting. Like okay. they get recorded and they go somewhere, but does somebody ever actually look at that thing again or figure out what the best way is to like take information out of that data? So I would say the manipulation of data and using data to optimize systems is another place to automate. But the the level to which you can do it in design depends greatly on what you're designing. Um, I've heard some people talk about uh, automating the actual integration part. I haven't seen that in a way that I feel comfortable with, but um, you know, I think you've got to try different things to see because because the margins for everybody are, is will get smaller as those jobs get replaced, because those jobs are going to get replaced. They are. So now we have to think about what are we doing to provide value to our clients if you can put the microphone in the room and the DSP is programmed. All right. Uh, last story here comes to our friends over at um, AV uh, Magazine in the UK. Gensler has integrated LG transparent OLED into partitions. It's kind of interesting. Uh, LG's from the article, LG's uh, displays... LG Display's transparent OLED technology has been integrated into a modular partition system by product design uh, with the product designed by Gensler's digital experience design. What they're doing is they're taking a transparent OLED and put, baking it into uh, partitions for uh, for uh, cubicles. It's kind of cool, right? <laughs> it, it's, it's it's a unique um, use case for a, a transparent uh, OLED. Chaz, when you look at this, the, this question that came out of, out of, out of my, in my head, and that's what I asked you guys when I emailed you the stories, where else can we use um, AV to enhance kind of the back-to-work, back-to-the-office experience for folks, you know, whether that is things like this or it's, you know, soundproofing or it's uh, not soundproofing, no soundproofing, but also sound masking. You know, where, where else can we use AV to, to make it more enticing to get back to the office? Well, Obviously, this is a great example of, of using integrating video into just the common workspace. Um, and I think the way we look at it at FSR, video is just going to be everywhere. 
And I think anywhere you can implement it like this is going to benefit us. Um, I'm going to sound like I'm bragging, but I just got back from Ireland. I was at a wedding over there. I had a great time. But one of the things I found most fascinating, you know, they're soccer fans over there like crazy, or football, I should use the proper term. There were people everywhere watching soccer on their phones. And I relay that to this because not only do we have to have video everywhere, we have to have the ability to provide high-speed internet, phone, whatever it is. Those are technologies that the AV folks have to be aware of, have to integrate into their systems because video is just going to proliferate even more than, than what we've seen in the past five years. All right. Bren, I did think of you when I saw this because I knew you were coming on and I so desperately want to get your two cents. So first of all, give me your two cents on this, on the use of this. But then, yeah, same question is where can we use AV uh, to enhance the, the workspace? I think it has a lot of potential in terms of, you know, the, the aspect of creating different environments, right? And allowing someone to, if you just took those partitions and said, Let's just say this is this is the new cube. This is the new cubicle. Yeah. All of a sudden, you can look beyond the walls of your cubicle, even if you're just doing it virtually. And that is a huge thing because the cubicle sucks and is a large part of the reason why people don't like to go to offices. Right. Is because that because of that, you know, beige, <laughs> that beige experience in the cube. So I like the fact that you can turn it over to the employee and say, make this environment what you want it to be. So if today you want to be coding while you're sitting, you know, in Estes Park, Colorado, or, you know, Turin, Italy, like one of my one of my designers, Jeff is on vacation, has been working from Italy. It's like, then you can do that. And I think that's great. And also, I think the the flip side of it is that it gives the it gives the employee control to decide when they don't want to have the information too, right? Like one of the things about, I've been thinking about lately about just large format displays in lobbies or, you know, um, entrances to buildings or any of these places where it's just like, let us give you what the message is that we want you to verbally, visually see. This should put the power to determine what that is in the in the person in the environment right so if they want to basically have nothing on except you know a scene like i have here or a starry night they can just have a starry mm -hmm. night um video is absolutely the number one form of communication in the world there's no question about it there's a reason why it's that i think it's easy for us to make now the cameras are everywhere you can annotate People who don't understand your language can have it transcribed into a language they do understand. So it improves yeah. our communication. It, it's, it, it provides more accessibility to more people. And I think that's another thing about this development that could be interesting is that how does it make the workspace more accessible for people who it might have been less accessible? However, I'm still all about not going back to the office. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I still think that the concept of the office is something from some Victorian dude in the UK in the 1890s 
And I don't know why we still do it, but. His name was Ebenezer. That's why. <laughs> I, I, I say that, but I'll, I, will, I, I will have you talk to my boss here in a few months. So, all right, uh, <laughs> Erica, uh, you have the last word on this. Um, what, what can we, you know, uh, where can we leverage AV to, to make it, you know, uh, more appealing if, if that is the, the, uh, the, the, the need uh, yeah. to get people back to the office? So, you know, we're in an interesting time and in, in space right now where if you had to go into the office to sit into a cubicle and um, do meetings like this on Zoom, why not just do it at home? Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. So we are having to make return to the office a more compelling experience, enticing people to come in. And I think that this use case is certainly a, a valid reason to come back, and even in a broader scale. You've seen in higher education where they've listed different technologies they have to entice students to go on campus. And I would see this being more of a, a workplace perk that becomes listed to get people to want to join this team and know that the company's investing in technology, that they want to make this collaborative, experiential environment for their employees. All right, that'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Uh, I will say publicly, because uh, my, my guests here have been very patient with me, nothing, and I do mean nothing in the studio today, worked the way it was supposed to. I want to say that we recorded like 45 minutes after the time we were supposed to, so thank you all so much. Uh, Bren Walker, uh, thank you. Always lovely to see you. I got to meet you in person for the first time this year. Very excited about that. Me too. Um, so how can people connect with you or Kierkegaard? Uh, you can reach me, Bren, at Kierkegaard.com. And that's our website, Kierkegaard.com. Um, missing the initial E. We're not Kierkegaard like the philosopher. K-I-R-K. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Brenda J. Walker. Uh, very good. Erica Carroll, thank you, ma'am. Uh, how do people connect with you or Immersive? Sure, you can find me at ecarroll at immersive.com. You can also reach out to immersive.com just to get the scoop on Immersive. Or you can find me on LinkedIn with uh, slash in slash the Erica Carroll. The Erica. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Chaz, uh, how do people connect with you or FSR, sir? You can reach me at Chaz, C-H-A-Z, at FSRinc.com. Or at LinkedIn, um, Chaz FSR. All right, very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on the Twitters because uh, it's almost time to start complaining about the Bears. Uh, but go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. A couple things really quickly. Uh, our, our incredible editor and writer, um, Taylor Moore, uh, he has taken one of our podcasts and kind of made it and, and reshaped it into his own. The AV profession is now all about entering into the AV industry. He did an incredible job. Uh, first episode dropped this week where he interviewed actually one of our other editors, Julian Evans-Means uh, from CTI, Emily Rocca, or, or Roca, I'm not sure yet, uh, from Control Concepts, and Amala from uh, uh, con uh, Control Concepts. Amala is from Commercial Integrator. Emily is from Control Concepts. You'd think I'd do this for a living. Um, so check that out, if you would, please. Also check out our fantastic sponsors, people like FSR, uh, that help us uh, bring you AV Week and so much more. Uh, and we're also uh, gearing up for Cedia in about two months from now. Uh, so we'll be heading down to Dallas with some folks and, and checking all that stuff out. All that and more at avnation.tv. It's avnation.tv. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. 
Thank you.